Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I'm talking to Aram Gregorian. You know him from Instagram as Four Weeks to the Beach. And since I know you know him, I know you also know he is all about that tough love. So today's episode is a little bit of real talk. Um, for those of you who are you know, working towards physique goals, or maybe you struggle with your nutrition or making time for yourself to get workouts in. I'm hoping that you can take something from today's episode and know that it comes from a place of compassion and then help yourself be successful. The most important nugget that I got from this podcast was a quote that Aram said, and he said, the common thread for failure in weight loss is non-compliance. So we talk a lot about compliance, what that means, why people struggle with it, and what you can do to help increase your compliance. We also talk about metabolic adaptation, about body recomposition, and what population body recomposition is actually um, open and available to. And when I say body recomposition, that is when you are losing body fat and increasing your muscle mass, right? Like everybody wants to do it, but that is not a reality for um, a lot of people. We also talk about why training is, it's not just training is important, but you need to be training hard enough. And we're not talking about sweating and jumping around, but the intensity and the intent with which you are lifting your weights. And then also how you can use comparison to your benefit. Because let's face it, we talk about not comparing all the time, but we are going to compare. So how can we use comparison to our advantage? I know you're going to love this episode and you might feel a little called out. I felt a little called out too. You have to remember, I am a human just like you. And it really all just boils down to what do you want? What are you willing to do for it? Um, and, And what are your priorities? And it doesn't matter Like your priorities are your priorities. And I think you need to know that too. Like if it's important to you, then great. No one can tell you what is, what should be important for you. So enjoy this episode, you guys. I can't wait to talk to you soon. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm so excited because I'm talking to my buddy, Aram. You guys know him from Instagram as four weeks to the beach. I see all of you guys sharing his like daily posts because we all absolutely love them. And I think we love them because Aram, you, you speak the truth, right? You don't dance around. You don't try and make it soft and all of that. You are a straight shooter. I'm only a good dancer if I'm drinking. <laughs> Clearly uh, you're not drinking when you make these posts. <laughs> well, actually, and I think people need to understand where these posts are coming from. These posts are coming from real people's struggles and the stuff that I hear every day. Yeah. And I, I I usually have them made. They're very instant. Like if I hear something and it sparks a thought, I'll literally pull over to the side of the road and just make one. And then I'll save it on my phone as a picture. 
And then I have kind of two or three weeks of this content already created because it's all just stuff that I hear, whether check-in calls, podcasts I listen to, other coaches I hear say things. And I try to put things into, I mean, Instagram is a world of instant gratification, right? right. So people don't want to, people don't want you to build them the watch. People want to tell you what time it is. Yeah. So let's, let's tell people what time it is. Let's get things very concise, precise, and direct. That way their little tiny attention span can absorb it. And maybe they can go run off and do something good with it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My dog. We were just talking about dogs. My dog is with me right now. And he's just rolling around. Making all these weird noises. If you hear something, it's not me. So it's so tough being a coach because you have to walk this line of like compassion and accountability um, how do you do that? It's really funny that you brought that up because the podcast I was just talking to you about was sent to me by a, a, a girl on Instagram who's a student of nutrition right now. She's in college for nutrition. Mm-hmm. So not to, dis- to to invalidate her efforts, she's never worked with people before. She's an academic. Yeah. And I work, I, I, we learn from academics because academia is where we get our information from. Unfortunately, academia doesn't account for the human experience because the research subjects are usually 23 year old fit males, right? They're not 48 year old Mrs. Jones, who's struggling with weight loss or who has 97 things on her plate or Mr. Jones, who's got three jobs and a mortgage and this and that. These are high level college athletes or lab rats or something that doesn't really apply to the human being. Mm -hmm. So she, when she sent me that podcast, she's like, listen to it. I want to get your take on it. And it was about obesity and how, obesity essentially is out of our control and it's not based on our choices Mm -hmm. at some deeper biological level the fatter you get the harder it is to lose weight because your body starts to rebel against weight loss because that's your new homeostatic weight Mm -hmm. um so when it comes to things like empathy and sympathy and understanding i have boatloads of it but the problem is is after being in this business for 15 years and seeing that the common thread for failure is non-compliance it becomes very difficult for me to exhibit empathy to people who just don't want to follow the process or don't set themselves up for success. So I have, if if you're somebody who's 300 pounds and you're struggling and you're trying every day, you're trying, but despite your best efforts, things just aren't working biologically. I have empathy for you. Mm -hmm. But if I'm giving you the entire roadmap, you're the driver, I'm the GPS, just push your goddamn foot on the gas pedal and use the steering wheel. I'll do the rest. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't want to do that work. Then empathy for me is difficult to find. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that, like the, the non-compliance really is the issue. And you and I talked about this on like the live that we did last Friday. I know a lot of times we want to use our hormones as a scapegoat. I do too. We want to, you know, blame something else, but it really is. It is the compliance. I understand it's hard. I think it's also really hard for someone who is like, if you're good and you want to get to great, it's really fucking hard. Yeah. Well, good to good to great is, is I do. I like working with good to great Mm -hmm. because good to great means you're probably fairly lean. You probably have some experience in the gym. You probably have some decent base level habits already established. So at that point, it's like sharpening the sword. We'll just be able to sharpen those skill sets and get you to great. That's the easy part. That's the reverse diet. That's the intensification of lifting. 
That's mm-hmm. the sprinkling of cardio. That's the mitigation of stress. That stuff is easy. Mm-hmm. The problem that I have is the okay to good mm. level. And that's, let's call that the 195 pound woman who has kind of spent the last 10 years not paying attention to herself, letting that body fat accumulate knowingly or unknowingly. Right. You know, and it's every year. It's always that same cycle. It's like, I'm disgusted with myself because I saw a picture over spring break or over the summer. So I do some whatever protocol that's intense. I inevitably fail at it because it's not sustainable. It's not that it's my fault. It's just the fact that I've chosen something so ridiculous that it won't work. Mm -hmm. And then it's this constant cycle. So whatever little bit of weight loss you do induce in that at front end gets overshadowed by going back to bad habits and then regaining that weight plus some, putting yourself more at a metabolic disadvantage. And then this weight starts to accumulate. So this year, this goes by 10, 15 years. Those cases are much tougher to deal with, A, psychologically, because those people just haven't had enough experience doing the hard shit long enough. And they have a subset and a story that they tell themselves about all the reasons why they can't accomplish it. Mm -hmm. I think the the best evidence that we have as coaches of that our things work is that there are people that are doing it and it is working. Yes. Right? Like you're, you're, it's hard not that I want to put a number on it because it's probably not real, but let's put a number on it. 20% of people succeed. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a very, our job is not, you know, if, if you were going to go to college and somebody was like, okay, well your return on investment is going to be 20%. Most people wouldn't go to college. Yeah. This is why people don't even attempt it because if you were to tell somebody that you probably will, you have an 80% chance of failing and it's purely because of human psychology. Mm-hmm. It, the methods work. Calorie deficits are real. The energy balance equation is real. The mm-hmm. law of thermodynamics is real. These things work. Mm-hmm. The people just don't work them. So let's talk about the people that are successful. Like, you know, what are they doing? Yes, they're being compliant, but why are they being compliant? Why are they able to do that? What are you seeing? I think the, the reason why they're doing it has to be strong enough. Like it can't yeah. just be... It has to actually be, and it can't just be verbalized as important. It actually has to be important and shown to be as important. So important means I'm actually doing something. Mm -hmm. So obviously your children are important. That means that you don't miss their events. You pick them up from school. You drop them off at school. You cook their dinners. Your kids are in front of your face all day and they're real and they're important. Unfortunately, you don't, the, 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 your body doesn't have that kind of a demand, right? It doesn't, it can sit there and be idle for a long time and you don't have to use it or take care of it. It won't kill you. And that's the thing is that there's no real danger of not working out. There's no real danger of eating like shit. Like, yes, you can develop chronic disease at some point, but you're not going to develop cancer and lose a limb because you're not exercising. Right. Um, If you stop bringing your kids to school, they won't go to school. If you stop cooking them dinner, they'll die. Like there's, your body doesn't depend on you in that way. It will find ways to adapt without your, without your efforts. Yeah. So I think when it comes to the people that are succeeding is they have some baseline rules that they just follow. I'm not going to skip the gym more than twice in a week. I'm not going to not meal prep. I'm going to order only X amount of meals out. I'm only going to drink or eat sweets this amount of times per week. Mm-hmm. And they're just loyal to those little rules. And then if they need to intensify those rules because their goals become a little bit more nuanced or extreme, then they know how to dial it up or they hire a coach to help them dial it up. But at least the base level habits are there or 
they started at a young enough age caring about all this stuff and thinking about it. And the thinking about it part is what I think is hard because now we live in a society where if you think about food, you're disordered. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, God forbid, how, how dare you count macros and calories or how dare you put food on a scale? And why would you ever go and look at a menu and read for the best thing on there? Just go eat whatever. Right. Well, eating whatever has led us to a very unhealthy place. And our average in this country is just bad. It's bad. And, and, I know. It, and it, it's, it, and it's sad because as coaches, we're fighting a machine that is multi-billions of dollars of advertising to sell products to induce fat loss. And there's no process that's being sold. And even all the processes that are being sold outside of, you know, except some of the smaller, and I consider us to be smaller coaches because we totally. are, yes, yes. We're, not, we're not paper mills. We don't have 55 assistant coaches. We don't have apps developed for, right. We're not text messaging people out of the blue. Right. So I, <laughs> we're hands-on one-on-one our price points may be a little bit higher mm-hmm. but our services are are you know at that level we're delivering what you're paying for mm-hmm. as opposed to you just buying a 15 dollars app or you going into one of these massive coaching mills where you get some assistant coach who you only can email mm-hmm. and now that support system is gone the reason why my clients succeed the ones that actually do are the, because i reach out to them mm-hmm. and they reach out to me we're in communication yeah. It's not that I know the most about nutrition or I know the most about fitness or biology or physiology. It's that I give a shit enough to keep in touch with them. Right. And most people just need to be gently reminded and nudged in the right direction every once in a while. Absolutely. If you have someone who is going to be checking up on you, looking at your food log, asking you, hey, what happened here? You're more likely to stick to it. <laughs> I mean, if someone wants to, like, if, if I'm checking in with my coach and he asks to see my food log, you better believe I'm going to be like entering the things. Um, that's so true. It's that, it's that accountability piece. I mean, talking about percentages, some people can do this on their own. I actually sure. know. Yeah. You and I do it on our own. Yeah, exactly. And I have uh, one gal that she's lost a, like a hundred pounds on her own. She's a friend of mine. Wow. She did it all on her own learned macros on her own. She's been able to do it, but they, those are rare breeds. I think most people need the support and the accountability. Well, I also think weight loss at a, at a high level is no different than acquiring wealth. Oh, it's the same. We yes. I love this analogy. Yeah. You know, like rich, rich people that have multi-million dollar businesses and multiple businesses and are successful entrepreneurs they have things in them innately that other people don't have. That's why they're sitting at the top five or 1%. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the amount of people in the world, just statistically, if there's 7.8 billion people in the world, how many people are actually successful? And of those successful people, how many of them are also self-aware and emotionally mature? Mm-hmm. And of those people, how many people are in good shape? Now you're talking about even smaller percentages. Yeah. So your likelihood of succeeding is low because you're probably, and this is going to be shitty to say, you're just not a high achiever. Yeah. And if you're not a high achiever, you can become one if you cared enough about it enough to do it and seek the knowledge and get the help. Mm-hmm. It's no different than if, if you don't know how to build a house, you hire somebody to do that for you. Mm-hmm. It expedites the process. Right. You could do it yourself. You could probably, I mean, there's anything you need to learn is now on YouTube. Yes. Do you have the available time to spend on YouTube to learn how to frame a house? Probably not. And, but if you did, 
have the time, you probably could invest that time in actually learning that. But our job as coaches is to take all of that information, package it nicely, give it to you in an easily digestible manner, and then help you follow it along. But I think people just don't want to do that. Like I cared enough about it at 15 because I stopped, I didn't want to get picked on anymore. Yeah. Like I did not, I was so tired of being the little pear shaped kid who couldn't talk to girls. So I started to lift weights with the football team Mm -hmm. that then allowed me to get stronger and join the football team. And now I was part of this cool club of guys that got attention from girls. And then, then you started to see some base level progress, which helped you buy in more and more. So Mm-hmm. I do agree that you do need some base level of achievement to then trust the process mm-hmm. because trusting the process without the process working is like telling somebody to keep putting their hand on the hot stove. Yeah. Like you're just, yeah, this sucks. I don't understand why I'm still doing it. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. It's frustrating. So you do have to achieve something to, in order for it to believe it to work. And then at that point, it's just a matter of, I want to know more about it. Like, this is so fun to me, or I really enjoy this. I want to know everything there is to know about food and lifting and sleeping and hydration. Mm-hmm. But most people don't get to that point because they have other things that are more important to them. Yeah, it's that time factor. You know, everyone wants to know the fastest way to do it. Fastest way is the long way. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> totally. Anything that is worth doing, it's worth taking the time to actually do it and do it right. And that's the hard part, you know, talking about society, we get everything instantaneously. I mean, if if you wanted a Starbucks right now, you could call whomever, one of those apps and have them deliver it to you. Um, So it's like, we have to overcome our environment. Yeah. It's It's not that it's not. And I think like listening to that podcast kind of brought up some ideas for me, like basically that we're absolving us of responsibility. I don't disagree that we live in a time where it's much easier to get fat. Oh yeah. I, I mean, Right now, it's like, you know, I have 90, I have, I'm no different. I'm a, I'm, I'm a criminal of this as well. I have 97 food delivery apps on my phone. (laughs) I live in California. I smoke pot every single night. What happens when you smoke pot? You get the munchies. (laughs) So I'm not absolving myself of responsibility either. Last night I ate a cup of ice cream. Last night I had, you know, a half of a chocolate chip cookie. Those are my decisions. If I wanted to look and feel like the guys at my gym that are 7% body fat, I know how to do what they do. I just don't want to fucking do it. Yes. You were just talking about this on your social media. Like, okay, it's summertime. Yeah. I don't want to be as strict. I want to have some drinks on the weekend. I want to do this. But then you can't then complain about the results. Nope. Like if you want to do that, Hey, yes, guess what? I do too. Yeah but you will not hear me bitching and moaning about how I look in my bathing suit because of that. Or, or just the acute effects of like, Hey, I had a really crazy weekend where I drank and ate everything. Well, yeah, then don't go weigh yourself on Monday and be disappointed with the number that you see. Like wait, wait until Friday, step on the scale on Friday. If you really want to, but like, what did you expect? What did you expect? You treated yourself like an amusement park. You enjoyed it. Good understand that that comes at a price. Everything comes at a price. Everything comes at a price. I know I have a client, Amanda, if you listen to this, I love you, girl. Uh, She was on vacation. She came home from vacation and it was like the middle of the day and she got on the scale and she was happy. Like, oh, the scale stayed the same. I was like, oh my God, you got on the scale like in the middle of the day after vacation. (laughs) You are, you're a crazy lady. (laughs) Yeah, that's bravery. That's bravery beyond all measures because (laughs) Lord knows, I mean, I can, between female cycles and oh. hormone fluctuations and water retention, I've watched women gain and lose 15 pounds in a day of just water. 
It's wild. That's clearly not fat. I mean, listen, if you're gaining or losing pounds in a day, just ladies, if you're listening, understand that that is not fat. It is not muscle. Um, this idea that when you start lifting three days a week, that you're going to look like me or, or a bodybuilder or, or anything else. The women that you see that look like bodybuilders are bodybuilders and are trying to be bodybuilders. You lifting with rubber bands and 10 pound dumbbells in your basement three times a week while watching TV, answering the phone and taking care of your children and the laundry and everything else is not going to produce any significant muscle gain at all. Maybe some, and that's a good thing because you're trying to build muscle. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So let's shift gears just a little bit because you know this adaptation is a real thing and it's a good thing. And it's a not great thing at times, but let's talk about why we can't stay in a deficit forever. And even those people, you know, let's say you have 50 to hundred pounds to lose. You also cannot stay in a deficit forever. Can you tell us why? So in the extreme cases of obesity, and I, I don't like the word obesity because it's too broad. Like I'm obese by American medical standards. If your BMI right. is above 30, you're considered to be obese. So that doesn't take into account muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So body composition is irrelevant, unfortunately, when we've talked about BMI. BMI then relates to obesity. So when we see the statistics on obesity, we're actually probably overinflating the amount of quarter. Let's, and and I, it sounds insensitive, but let's call it what it is. A fat person is a person who has fat on them. Right. So I'm a fat person because I have fat on me. You, I'm sure you have some body fat yeah, on you too. I got, I'm a fat person too. <laughs> right. Like there are degrees of fat and there's degrees of lean and we just all live on a spectrum. So let's get that out of the way. Let's use language because science is context and language specific. So in the highest cases of obesity, you have a lot of stored energy. If you're somebody who's 35% body fat plus and you're a woman, you don't need to eat a lot of food to accomplish the same amount of task because your body has a storage facility that's very full. So exhaust that storage facility. So eat enough to not die, but don't eat so much to then recontribute to body fat. And every once in a while, take a break, eat a little bit more just so the metabolism doesn't completely burn out and stop working. But your, your metabolism will get better the more fat you lose. And I, this is where I had to swallow my pride and admit that I was wrong a couple of times. Oh. I've tried to reverse diet heavier women uh, mm -hmm. because this textbook told me I should. Unfortunately, I was wrong. The textbook is wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is where I'm going to say that I was wrong. I, and I've had to admit it to some of my clients and say, listen, I'm really sorry. I fucked up. Yeah. If you're somebody who's heavy enough to where you don't need the calories, giving you more food is just putting you backwards. Mm. Now, if you're somebody who's very heavy, and you're only eating a thousand calories, let's get up to some reasonable amount of food. That's not going to kill you. Let's call it 15 or 1600. Yeah. At a 250 pound frame, 1600 calories is not going to kill you, but it's mm. also not going to contribute to an ounce of body fat coming on extra. Mm -hmm. Is it going to suck for you to maintain that for the next year, two years or three years? Probably, but you better get your ass moving and start losing that weight. And then you won't have to be there for much longer. Yeah. So it's an element really of the heavier you are, the more you have to do to not be heavy anymore. Mm -hmm. And as you stop being less, or you stop being heavy and you lose body fat and hopefully build some muscle mass, your body will start to become slowly more cooperative mm -hmm. in the lower cases and lower ranges of body fat. 
you know, and this is kind of always in that I have five pounds to lose, or I have 10 pounds to lose. And then they just start burying calories and upping cardio. In those cases, it's not an element of burning fat by way of cardio, because cardio won't ever burn enough energy to burn enough fat. That's just not how it works. If anything, it'll degrade muscle first. Mm -hmm. That's what cardio will do. Cardio is a catabolic, meaning the breakdown of muscle activity. It's not a it's going to catabolize everything, muscle, fat, water, whatever it needs to get rid of, it'll get rid of. It's a wasting effect. Mm. So by being underfed and overexerted, at some point, the engine will just break because your car won't run anymore because it doesn't have enough fuel to do what it needs to do. Uh So for those women, the best approach is understand where a maintenance level of calories is. Like, where am I maintaining weight? Cool. Find that. Mm-hmm. Now start to play around with macronutrient numbers to see how much better to fuel your exercise and start to move significantly more intensely in the gym, learn how to really progressively overload, learn how to utilize some of those machines that you don't know about. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with getting on a chest press as opposed to doing dumbbell press because a chest press will allow you on a machine to do more weight and more weight will create more of an adaptation, more muscle growth, more room for fuel storage. Mm-hmm. hopefully a better resting metabolic rate. So there's a lot of good positive effects, but it really just depends on where you're at and what you're hoping to achieve and being crystal clear about that, that outcome is very important. So uh, that is so true. <laughs> we need to know what you want to do. You need to know what you want to do because everything, the protocols, the process that we're talking about trusting the process is going to be different, but depending on what it is that you want. So when someone says to you, you know, I want to build muscle and I want to burn fat, like, it's like, well, well pick I one. Mean, I, yeah, I, I, I want to have an above average penis size and I want to have $40 million in the bank and I want to be handsome and I want to be fast and tall and eloquent. I want all those things, but unfortunately you get what you get when you're born and then you can do with the best you can with what you got. Um, there's a, I posted about it yesterday. Uh, Paul Carter, who's a coach in his field, mm-hmm. more of a hypertrophy coach. He really just deals with muscle building, but he talks about this all the time. Certain populations can build muscle while burning fat. Mm-hmm. Those populations usually include somebody who's never lifted before, uh, the super heavy. Mm-hmm. So again, 30, 35% plus body fat because of that, because of that stored energy, it can be mobilized, released as fuel and used to build muscle because you have that fuel available. Um, somebody who's taken a long hiatus away from gym and now is coming back to it. Um, and then people who just have never really trained with any intensity. Like there's a lot of people who work out yeah. and there's a lot of people who move their body and I'm not shitting on F45 and orange theory or all these group classes. They do have their place, mm-hmm. but if you're lifting in that type of environment and that's all, you know, I promise you, you're not creating any significant change at the muscle mass level mm-hmm. and at the muscle level, you're doing a lot of movement. Uh, I guess the best comparison there would be like, just, just basically stand inside of a sauna and move around a lot. You'll sweat. It'll be uncomfortable, but you're not getting any positive adaptation from that. You're just sweating and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So just because you're sweating and you're uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that anything is happening on a cellular level. That's going to be able to benefit you in the long term. So the people that are just kind of moving in the gym. Yeah. Movement is good, but specific movement is better. Yeah. So those four populations are people that can burn fat and build muscle at the same time. If you're somebody who's seasoned and has been doing this for a while and you have all your ducks in a row, then you have to f- realize that muscle building and fat burning are diverging paths. Yes. They're parallel on the same highway, but they're not a connected street. So you have to get off an exit to get to that another road. 
So that means that you have to either pick one, do it for a while, stop, reverse, pick the other one, do that one for a while, stop, and then you can toggle between the two. Mm-hmm. But you can't live in, unless you're somebody who's chemically enhanced on PEDs, yeah. um, that's the other, that's the fifth population. Oh. So that's, that's really how that works biologically. Yeah. I mean, because anytime someone signs up and does our program, you know, we ask them what their goal is. And of course, I mean, it's, I want to build muscle and I want to burn fat. And so then we yeah. have to have that conversation. And as long, as long as, as long as we as coaches are being honest and forthright about the fact that you're going to have to kind of pick at some, it may not be now, like you may have a, you can, newbies probably have anywhere between a one and five year window. And when I say newbie, I mean, you're fresh in the gym. Like you are, you are white belt. You've never been inside the gym. You've never picked up a weight. You've never resistant trained. You have, depending on your genetics, you may have one to five years of potential. Mm -hmm. Once that potential is out, grown, then it's really, okay, I'm going to put all my eggs in the muscle building basket with the risk of gaining some fat and some water. Mm-hmm. Then I'll, then I have the, the desired outcome is more muscle mass at the risk of a little bit more fat. Mm-hmm. You can mitigate fat gain to some extent, but it's not going to ever not come on if you're eating more, Yep. unless you're perfectly dialed in, which is almost impossible to do. Yeah. And then you can spend some time burning off the fat to reveal that muscle mass that you've built. Mm-hmm. those are high level people that have been doing this for a while, but most people, and this is where average women fall into this category is you're just not training hard enough. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been a trainer for 15 years. It's coming from a good place. I watch it every single day. I see IFBB pro caliber female women who don't train hard enough. Mm-hmm. So if they're not training hard enough, Mrs. Jones, I promise you, you're not either. Do you still train in person? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. I had a client this morning. I still, I see about, two to four people a week still in person. I'm trying to, I like to keep the people that I know are going to be able to put some cash in my pocket and then are going to be consistent just because it'll be worth my time. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is my whole, when I was in Connecticut, a hundred percent of my business was in person training. I never coached online. Yeah. But the, the real, and here's, this is what people need to understand. I was seeing people five days a week and they were training with me five. So let's be, even when you're working with a trainer, we still have to be customer service representatives. So we would like to bury you and have you work hard, but you have to be willing to want to work hard and work hard. Doesn't mean sprinting on the treadmill sweating. It means if I hand you a pair of 30 pound dumbbells, because I trust that you can do it, do the fucking weights that I hand you and know that I have your best interest in mind. I know that you are mechanically sound. I know that you have good form. I wouldn't hand you those dumbbells if I didn't believe you could do them. So trust me, trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Most women just don't train heavy enough. They don't, they don't want to grab weights that are so heavy because they think that from, from their knees to their shoulders, it's too hard. So it's going to be too hard from their shoulders up overhead. Mm-hmm. I promise you that once you get a little bit of an amplification and somebody can push you up or you're using a machine, there are ways that you can get these heavier weights to start moving. And when you're doing them in rep ranges of six or eight or 10, and you're really burning out the ends of those rep ranges, you're going to get a massive benefit that you've never seen before because now your body is going to be like, holy shit, you're making me do something that's actually hard. Yes. And that's when adaptation is a great thing. <laughs> like when you yeah. adapt to that, but to your point and this, like, this is why I know everyone wants to like get online. Everyone, all the trainers I see at the gym, they want to be online trainers because they want this freedom and they want all this, but I feel very strongly that there is a huge place for in-person training because, you know, of the ladies that you and I work with that have never picked up a set of dumbbells, 
they don't know what they can do and we don't we won't do it on our own we need to have someone show us how far we can be pushed so and it's, and, and it's hard because you know biomechanics are very individual bone lengths very widely orthopedic injuries very widely mm -hmm. so i can't ascertain those things from a video that you text me now I get videos all day long of all my online clients because I want them to submit videos of their form and their form checks and I get to give them feedback. But I, there's, there's definitely significantly more upside for me being in person and being able to put my hands on people and see this is where your lat is. This yeah. is where your rear delt is. This is how your glute should feel during this exercise. And me putting my finger on those places yeah. starts to develop that mind-muscle connection. And when that mind-muscle connection gets developed, then the movements become more efficient, more effective. Yeah, I can't do that online. No, and Unless even you, if you yeah. say it, like we, a lot of us don't learn that way, or we don't understand. Like you can tell me, but if I don't process it, yeah. <laughs> like, or if you've never felt that sensation, that's why things like abs, mm -hmm. like just like, how do I say this properly? Just because the muscle is burning doesn't mean it's working a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's easy to feel things like biceps. It's easy to feel things like triceps, abs, legs, right? Like quads, like quads are always burning. You do a leg yes, extension. They are. Like it's hard to not feel a leg extension. Mm -hmm. Where do most women feel kind of not feel where they need it to feel? Most women don't feel their lats. Mm -hmm. uh, most women don't have proper mechanics enough to feel their glutes because they're usually quad dominant. So something is turned off on the backside. Mm -hmm. uh, I find women that have very weak hamstrings usually. Uh, or tight hamstrings, which can also be presented as weakness. And then I, a lot of women, when they lift big compound lifts, don't understand how to properly breathe and brace and drop their rib cage and get into a posterior pelvic tilt to put. So if any woman's ever done, and this is where I kind of will encourage things like a bar class, mm -hmm. ladies, if you ever want to learn how to really strengthen your abs and in that interabdominal core breathing and bracing, take five or six bar classes where they make you tuck your pelvis it almost looks like a dog pooping. That's what yes. it should look like. Yes. So when you're squatting, that's what you should feel like at the bottom and at the top. When you're deadlifting, same thing. You will never get hurt. Well, I don't want to say never, but you will very highly reduce the likelihood of injury if you understand how to breathe and brace. Hard to teach that over the phone. Very hard. So yeah. take a bar class. If you have access to one, go take one. Go learn what your glutes do. Go learn how to tuck your rib cage down towards your pelvis and learn how to ironclad your stomach. Then you'll have more confidence when you put a barbell on your back and try squatting. Cause now your lordosis, that big curve in your lower back is your booty. Mm -hmm. When that curve is big, that means your abs are off. And that means if your abs are off, you're at risk of your lower back being hurt. So it's not that the squats hurting you, you're hurting you because you're not squatting oh, properly. Yes. Same thing with deadlifts. The deadlifts are not bad for your back. Right, it's the no, way bad. doing the <laughs> bad, deadlift. Yeah. Bad deadlifts are bad for your back. Yes, alcohol is not bad for you if you have one drink a month, but alcohol right. is very bad for you if you have one drink an hour. <laughs> so, can you talk to about uh, metabolic flexibility? I'm not sure everyone understands what that is. So, can you just talk about that? I think metabolic flexibility is a principle that gets earned with time and muscle mass, and really just kind of following those rules that you set for yourself. The way that I consider people to be metabolically flexible is if you want to gain muscle, you can up calories, up lifting intensity and gain muscle. Mm -hmm. If you want to lose fat, you can drop calories, keep activity about the same, lose fat. That's somebody who's metabolically flexible. 
that to me is a range. And this is, again, this is not gospel. This is something I've just found anecdotally. Mm -hmm. If you can eat about 13 to 15 calories per pound and maintain current body weight, you're probably metabolically flexible. So think about that, ladies. I don't care where you're at, who you are, what you're doing. But if you weigh X mm -hmm. and you can multiply X by 13 and you're eating that number of calories and you're not gaining weight, mm -hmm. I could probably give you 500 calories more, intensify your lifting, and you'll probably gain muscle. Some fat, but muscle. Mm -hmm. And if I cut 500 calories out of your diet, you'll probably lose fat. Mm -hmm. But if you're outside of those, if usually most women that I meet are significantly below that number. Mm. nine calories per pound, 10 calories per pound. And now that's that negative adaptation of I've been eating too little for too long, or I'm not tracking accurately, or I'm having the spring break weekends. Or all three. Or, or all three. Yes. Which I mean, it's not, you know, it's not that far off. Okay. Very cool. Um, one of the things I really like to talk about, and I haven't talked about in a while is body dysmorphia. And again, you were talking about this on, on your social, on your Instagram, like normal women, meaning a woman who is not in this industry. I think it is damaging to only follow fitness influencers or even like a, a coach, like a coach, this is their job sure. like that does some harm. If that's the only frame of reference that you have, and you're constantly comparing yourself that's hard. So can you talk about body dysmorphia and also explain how men also deal with this? The easiest way that I can talk about body dysmorphia is just, is just to really reference myself and say that I have gotten to a level of self-acceptance over the years where I know I have a brain. I know I have some gift of gab. I know that I can attract the opposite sex because I if I needed to, which gives, put, 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 puts a little pep in your step. Like you don't have to be, I don't think a woman's ever chosen a man because of his lean leanness or his. Oh, his we want your money. <laughs> or that, or that, um, you know, like, yeah, maybe when you're 18 or 22, like, like a, a, a chiseled tattooed ripped man is something that's attractive to you. Or maybe when you're 45 and you're bored of whatever you're doing in the bedroom with your current husband, maybe that becomes alluring because that's not what you've been eating your whole life. Right. So that pepperoni pizza feel looks good because you've been eating cheese for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but that level of self-acceptance only comes at a point when you've actually decided that based on your current efforts, this is the best you'll do. And that has to be okay with you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you're going to be better than anybody else. It doesn't mean that you'll be worse than many. I, if I walked into the gym and my body dysmorphia took over, I would never walk into the gym ever again because everybody at my gym looks significantly better than I do. Mm. Now, I've had other women tell me, oh my God, you look so good. I don't believe them because I don't believe it. There's days where I do believe it and then there's days where I don't believe it. But if you're consistently comparing yourself to somebody who either does this for a living or is in shape essentially year round, and that's not who you are, then don't compare yourself to that canvas because that's like, that's like comparing a, 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 a Mazda Miata to a Porsche Carrera. Mm -hmm. Like those are apples and oranges. That's, you're not on the same playing field. Like mm -hmm. because you played softball in high school doesn't mean that you can play baseball at the professional level. So don't compare yourself to that player or that person. If you're a mother of three with you know, a full-time job and a household to run, Mm -hmm. don't take offense that you're never going to look like a 22 year old influencer because you probably don't have the time to do it. Mm 
Right. So if that's the messaging that you're receiving all day, it's no wonder that you're not happy with what you see. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the, and I, and I lived on, sorry, I lived on the East Coast in a very affluent area, Greenwich, Connecticut, where women's husbands are making, or women themselves are making six, seven figures. So they're very affluent. They have, you know, some of them had drivers, some of them had chefs, they had personal gyms. So these women were of a different class. So a lot of these women were playing that, like, you know, keeping up with the Joneses thing. So between the lip fillers and the injections and the boob jobs and the butt lifts, mm-hmm. if women were not doing that stuff, it was hard for them to keep in line with the rest of the females that they were seeing. So a lot of women that I saw who were like 130 pounds and look great were like, well, what the fuck? I don't look like Gwyneth Paltrow over there who's 6'1 and 110 pounds. Yeah. Well, you're 5'1 and you'll never be 6'1. So I don't care how much Pilates and lengthening you do. You can't get taller. It's impossible unless you take a ridiculous amount of growth hormone. <laughs> um, so again, it's that unreasonable comparison. Like I, as human beings, we're always going to compare ourselves to yeah. somebody because that's just our nature. We see it. We want to, and there's nothing wrong with emulating, emulate, find somebody who's got good knowledge, good information, a good message and emulate that. Mm-hmm. But emulate reasonably like go and find somebody who's in your playing field in your weight class like boxers have weight classes sports have weight classes for a reason you don't compete unreasonably 150 you know like a 115 pound woman is not going to be able to beat the shit out of a 180 pound woman it's just not going to work i mean that's a really great way to to think about it like we have weight classes in sports for a reason yeah, you wouldn't put a 180 pound woman in the ring with a 115 pound woman. No, it would just be purely unfair. And like, yeah. that's, that's so as a female, if you're consuming content that's making you feel less than, that's nobody's fault but yourself. You can do, you can click the unfollow button very easily and go follow. There's, pl- I know so many women online. I follow them myself. Mm-hmm. Over 50, in decent shape, not in perfect shape, have some body fat on them, have mm-hmm. some of that loose baby skin. Mm-hmm. Go follow that woman. Go take advice from her and see what she's doing to beat menopause. Yeah. See what she's doing to stay on top of her meal plans and her dieting. Mm-hmm. Don't follow 29-year-old who's enhanced and competing mm-hmm. and has no kids and no full-time job other than coaching. That's an unreasonable expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I had to stop following like all competitors because it's just not, it's not healthy for me. Um, it, it's not a level playing field. I don't need to see that those messages. I, I have nothing against competing. Uh, it's just not realistic, but you don't work with competitors, do you? Uh, I reverse people. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll take women and I'll reverse them out of competition. I mm-hmm. never prepped one. I want to, cause I think it'd be a fun challenge mm-hmm. and it would be great to get somebody who's compliant for once. Um, well, so you think. So, you, yeah, I mean, in theory, in theory, if you have 16 weeks, you hope that that person's going to be compliant. But I think there's nothing wrong with consuming social media content that's unreasonable if you have a healthy relationship with it. So, yeah, right? like you said, so long as it's inspiring to you and not you're not comparing yourself saying, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to look like that or whatever. Yeah, like I know I'm not going to be a bodybuilder. Like I know I'm never going to be six feet, 240 pounds because that's not who I am. Like I'm five foot eight, 215 pounds. So I like to look at other people that have, like, I understand biology though. So I can look right. at it with an unemotional lens. Yes. Most females are not looking at this content with an unemotional lens. They're looking at it from an emotional lens, not a logical or rational sense. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting what they need out of it. They're getting everything they don't need out of it and leaving all the other real facts behind. So they're like, holy shit, she looks good. She's in a calorie deficit. 
So maybe I should be too. Well, understand the context. She's in contest prep. Yes. She has 25 hours a day to do whatever the fuck she wants. She doesn't have any children, not a dog to take care of, Mm -hmm. nobody yelling at her, no bills to pay, no mortgage that she's behind on. Mm -hmm. So understand the context of what you're looking at. It's so true. Well, and you just made a really good point too about the value of coaching because like, like, like talk about the reverse diet. If you were to coach yourself through a reverse diet, which I know some people do, I think most people will let emotion get the best of them. The second they see the scale go up just a little bit, not understanding that it's muscle, it's not fat, a little bit of water, some stomach content. And so they'll stop it. They'll stop their reverse before they need to because of the emotion involved in it. Um, A coach is able to be that voice of reason for you. So you don't jump off the ledge. Yeah, we'll be able to tell you these these are very reasonable effects of what you're doing. It's not a side effect. It's not a bad effect. It's just an effect of what you're doing. There's, it's a byproduct of your efforts. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Our job is to mitigate that, that talk them off the ledge, make sure that they're not, you know, these are real expectations that they have and that's our job. But at the end of the day, I think if there's anything that I can ever try to get people to understand is that biology and emotions are two very different things and they don't, they should not be married to one another. Mm. Biology is fact. It's black and white. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You, we live in a very emotional, highly emotional world where it's, and there's nothing wrong with feeling feelings. I'm, I'm one of the most emotional, self-aware, empathetic human beings that knows how to cry and, and doesn't ever shield any of that stuff. But I don't cry about things like fat loss and muscle gain or food mm-hmm. or these things because I understand their place in the world. I understand that they are biological substrates. When I get, when somebody dies, I feel it. If I put an animal down, I feel it. I'm allowed to feel that, but I feel nothing about the scale because the scale doesn't define who I am as a person. I know that at the end of the day, if people are going to like me, they're going to like me. If they're not, they're not. And I, I, at 38, I just don't have the time to care anymore. And if you're 40 and still battling some of these things, go seek some cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. No, we are pro therapy. You know, um, I, one of the things I like to talk about a lot with my mostly ladies is, you know, we're, can we please not get to 60, 70, 80, still thinking these thoughts about our bodies. And one of my clients, she's a nurse and she was like, my 82 year old patient today apologized for her weight saying she's been trying to lose these. And I'm just like, that is so sad. Yeah, well, I mean, again, this is tough love, but if you have trauma from your childhood or your adolescence or your developmental years or your 20s or your 40s, mm-hmm. it's your responsibility to heal that trauma or work on healing that trauma. It may never get healed. Yeah. Right? A recovering alcoholic is a recovering alcoholic for a reason. He's not a recovered alcoholic. Every time there's a drink present, he's at risk. She's at risk. So if you have emotional damage or trauma, you're always at risk to refeel that drama and have it present in your life. So it's your responsibility, A, to not fuck other people up because of your trauma, yes. to not continue to fuck yourself up with that trauma. So mm-hmm. if that means that your body takes a backseat to your mind for a little while and you spend those 200 bucks on, on therapy sessions as opposed to a coach, fine, I'll take a backseat to that. I've had that happen. Yeah. I've had women leave my coaching because I suggested that they go get counseling first. And when they're ready to come back, then I'll take them back. But until that point, mm-hmm. if you're worried about the scale, I'm not going to be the one that's going to give you more or less calories and more or less shit to do because you're not ready for it yet. Yeah. 
Well, okay. So this is one of my favorite questions then, you know, when do you do that for you? When is that line you notice, okay, there's some dysfunction going on here. This is no longer a coaching situation. This is a therapy. What does that look like to you? If every single week we're having the same conversation about relationships of food, relationships oh. of body image, mm-hmm. and it's never about the technical stuff that we're talking about, like if, if the conversation is constantly about how I feel about food or how food makes me feel, mm-hmm. how I feel about my body or how the scale makes me feel, then I know that the, that the science of this stuff is irrelevant to you and it's all about the emotional side of it. At that point, to me, I can only, I mean, I could do a lot of it. I'm not a, I'm not a licensed therapist by any stretch, but I've done this enough to understand how to talk women through some of those difficulties. And as long as I see some progress mentally, then I'm okay continuing with that relationship. Mm -hmm. But if I see that week in and week out, week in and week out, it just doesn't matter what we do, what we say. It's Mm -hmm. constantly this harping of this relationship with food or my relationship with my body. Here's your money back for the, the balance of the month here's the number to somebody I think who can help you or start to Google people that are in this field in your area and go get some help in this department. And, sp- and again, you will never be healed from this. Probably you will just get better at it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And yeah, so that's how I know you're a great coach. Like I, that's how I know. <laughs> I just, I, I, it's hard because I'm, I'm a 38 year old man with no family and no children who's coaching females with families and children. So like, I can understand that sometimes my message may be ill-received or it doesn't seem genuine, but my experience is with that population. So if that population is the people that I work with every single day, why would I not know how to handle them? Mm -hmm. And if I can't fix or help or get somebody to change, despite my best efforts, then maybe it's not my responsibility to do so anymore. Maybe it now is a higher level problem that I'm not qualified to treat. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I am the same way. Like there comes a time when it is no longer a coaching thing and it won't work. You know, earlier on, we talked about, you know, who does it work for? Who are the people who are succeeding? It's the people who are addressing the thought process, the mindset there. They are doing the healing of the trauma because it will show up again and again, and you will be tested. And so that means every time you're around whatever, or whomever you have an opportunity to backslide but if you've done the work the internal work you're stronger you're more resilient triggers are triggers they're not going to go away no you know if you have to still but it's your it's your responsibility to not pull the trigger well and like you said i love how you said too it's our responsibility not to pass that stuff on because that's another thing that we talk about is like we're doing the work for ourselves because all this stuff was passed down to us. Like that 82 year old patient could be someone's grandma, you know? And then that means the mom is dealing with something and the mom passed it down to us unknowing or knowing. So we have to break it so that our kids don't have to go through this. You know, maybe there'll be a day when you and I don't have clients that are worried about who knows what? I don't see that ever happening, but I don't know. I mean, hurt, hurt people, hurt people, right? That's what we always hear is, is yeah. if you haven't dealt with that issue, you're probably going to present that issue onto somebody else. And that'll dysfunctionally cause some problem with the next person. And it's, you know, yeah, we have a lot going on. There's a lot going on, but it's still like you have, it's your life. You have to manage it. I'm sorry. Like that's where the tough love has to come in. Like, I don't care. Like nobody else cares that you have problems. That's the problem, right? Like your job doesn't give a shit that your problems exist. Mm -hmm. Your job expects you to show up or you're not getting a paycheck. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Your body is the same exact way. Your body doesn't give a fuck that you have a disordered eating problem. Your body is going to respond to that problem the way it wants to biologically. It doesn't care. So if you don't fix that problem, your body is going to show that problem consistently. Mm -hmm. So if there's one thing that I'll ever impart is it's the mixture of tough love, accountability, and then self-help. Mm-hmm. And none of those things will ever stop. You have to continually manage those things. Mm-hmm. So if that means that you have a staff of people that work with you because you have to manage your life, oh, well, mm-hmm. maybe that takes away from your Starbucks and your dinners out financially, right? <laughs> We're exactly worth it. Oh, worth now, it. now your human experience has been amplified and has gotten better. And yeah. now your family is thankful for it. Your friends are thankful for it. Now they don't have to listen to you complain about it. Oh, you're dealing with it. Yes. I know. And yeah, I just, well, I don't want to get off on a tangent because I could talk no. to you about three more hours, but that's the thing. I always wonder if you're, are you talking about this all the time with your partner, around your kids, with your friends? I'm sure your friends want to be like, just shut up. Or do something about it. I guess for me, where, where I draw the line is how many times can you be told that the stove is hot and you keep still touching it? Mm. Like if you're not dealing with it, then it's at some point it has become a conscious choice for you not to take action. Yeah. And, and taking action doesn't mean trying something. Taking action means actually immersing yourself into a process that's going to hopefully have an outcome. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm going to jump on and off diets. Or I'm going to go see a therapist for two sessions and that's it. She hasn't helped me. So fuck her. Yeah. Like let something stick. Like your biology and your psychology take time to fix and remedy. It's not like, you know, putting a tire on a car is easy. That's, that's an on and off process. That's different. Your biology and your brain are not that. No. So understand that it will take attempts after attempt after attempt, but attempt doesn't mean different things. It means picking a lane, driving down it for a while measuring is it working how are you measuring is it working are you actually doing what you sought out to do and if so then is that approach right for you and if it is then it'll produce an outcome if it's not then you'll have to figure out another way but that doesn't mean you just stop no and that's the whole thing like one of the questions i had written down because i you talk about this a lot too is how long is this going to take as long as it takes this is your life like you are going to be doing this for the rest of your life now it's going to be turned up and turned down the intensity and what's going on, but ultimately we're changing our habits so that this is just becomes who we are. That's the way I look at it. Until you stop eating food, it's never <laughs> going to stop. Nope. Until you have four working limbs, it's never. I know people that don't have four working limbs and it still hasn't stopped. Yeah. So until your last breath, you will be dealing with it. So at least if you figure out how to deal with it now, and it's never too late, whether you're 50 or 60 or 70, mm-hmm. you still have the balance of your life to live. And it's your choice whether you want to live it in, under your control or you want to live it under your body's control. So you have to pick. Yep, so true. Oh, I just love talking to you. So are you taking on new clients now? Yeah, I always try to. Like I, I have very package prices that, that allow me to be more hands-off. Mm-hmm. So I've always been more one-on-one and I've always had weekly check-ins, but I've downgraded to two different options where people check in bi-weekly or monthly. So they still get full service coaching, like they still get training and nutrition and they have access to me via text and I'm always responsive on that. But I've just, I've automated some processes to make my life easier as a coach. So now I can take on more people because more people I means I can actually do the things I need to do financially and reinvest back into my business. But um, you know, some people need the weekly phone conversation. Some people are like, Hey coach, what's up text. Mm -hmm. And they're good with once a month calls and they're good with a, 
with a debrief here and there. And those people are just fine and they don't need to pay me the money for the weeklies. And mm -hmm. so I always take on people. The only people I don't take on are the people that are, that are talking to me immediately about, I want this done fast. And that's a phone call. I just immediately say, listen, I'm, Red not, flag. I'm just not the person for you. Um, you know, I can, I can recommend a calculator and a couple other sites that you'll go to and get some cookie cutter stuff on and then good luck. Yeah. I love that question. And also, well, do you have any like discounts? Also, yeah, the, yeah, the cheapest another program red flag. I have, the cheapest program I have is my discount. Yeah, it still means you have to do stuff. Like, my education didn't come at a discount. My time doesn't come at a like. I still have to spend my time doing stuff. It still takes time away from my life, my family, mm -hmm. my interests. And this is my full. This is not like a passion project for me. Right. Where like my husband is out making a ton of money, and I get to sit at home and pretend to be a coach. Like, if I don't fucking work, my bills don't get paid. That's right. So if you want a discount, I'm the, do, do I ask SDG&E for a discount on my light bill or on my rent next month? No, like that's still going to get paid in full. Uh, so where can we reach out to you? Is Instagram the base, best place? Yeah, Instagram gets people to my website and to me. I answer all my DMs. I'm always available, probably to a fault. Um, I know, I right? Usually, I usually spend Mondays and Fridays just talking to people for free. Cool. And then Tuesdays through Thursdays are my client check-in call. So it's really, I mean, this is like, this is all I do. The weekends are essentially more work time for me. So well, if, the phone, if the phone's on, I'm on. Yeah. Well, thanks again. It's so fun to talk to you. Find him at four weeks to the beach. And I can't wait to talk to you again. I Thank you so much. Carly. Thank you. Talk you soon. You too. Thanks again for tuning in to Far From Perfect with myself and Aram. Make sure you give him a follow on Instagram. He is four weeks to the beach. And there are several other ways that you can also continue to support the podcast. And number one, like, rate, and review on iTunes. That is super helpful in helping me get wonderful, informative guests on the podcast. Also, check out Outwork Nutrition Supplements. I've been using their pre-workout and their creatine for the last, oh gosh, I mean, at least six months. I'm a huge fan. There is a link to the Outwork Nutrition Supplements in the show notes. You can also link to them um, in my bio on Instagram. And then we have a couple rounds of Lift to Get Lean starting not until August, but you can join the wait list for both of those programs. Um, once you go to the website, that is lifttogetleanwithkylie.com. And then finally, something I don't talk enough about is Beauty Counter. So we have a new line that we have launched. It is the All Bright line. It's an extension of our crowd favorite vitamin C serum. So the All Bright line helps to brighten your skin leaving it soft, smooth, and glowing. It helps refine your pores, minimizing the appearance of your pores. It resurfaces your skin and purifies. So if you have any questions about any of those things, reach out to me on Instagram. I'm happy to fill you in. Until next time, have a wonderful day.